For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, May 19th, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, here today with none other than Big John Dixon. <laughs> Big John Number 32. Dixon. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the other voice you hear is uh, maybe the voice you hear in your other ear is uh, K.C. Smith. K.C. is a managing associate in our financial planning division, our planning and implementation. That's easy enough to say, huh? That's a mouthful. Planning and implementation. So K.C. is a CFP, and uh, John is not only a CFP, but he's also a CF. CPA. CPA, CVA. CPA, CVA, CF. Show off. Yeah, he's uh, he's what we call an overachiever, and uh, I'm sure we're going to talk a whole lot today about taxes, so uh, you might want to get a second pot of coffee going. Uh, I always like to make fun of John and how boring taxes are, but, uh, you know, uh, boring or not, they're a necessity in our lives. They um, are, and we've had a lot to talk about this year. Sure, no, absolutely. There's, there's uh, John's been on quite a bit uh, trying to explain to us what's going to happen uh, in our 2018 taxes, and I'm sure that if you had a conversation with John in the last month, six months, he would probably, within the first couple of sentences, tell you that it is absolutely pertinent for you to talk to your CPA this year. Uh, before the end of the year, while you still have the time to do a little bit of planning, right? Correct, yeah. We yeah. just finished up busy season, and, and we're still busy because of not we're just done with 17 but now we're starting on already on 18 so. you call it busy season most accountants call it tax season right sure so <laughs> is there a difference i mean i didn't know if this was a philosophical thing with you or is this just well i think a lot of, some people just consider it busy all year round so yeah. well they, they, they probably just consider it tax season all year round too wouldn't they yeah, yeah. certainly anyway, this it, year it does get a little bit calmer for folks that prepare taxes as you get further away from April 15th, but there's a couple other deadlines you got to deal with toward the end of the year, right? Right. We we still got the extended deadline for those who who extended the March and, and April deadlines. So uh, we're still focusing on 17 and 18 uh, until the fall when when we finalize all the 17 tax returns. But uh, it has shifted a lot earlier this year with the the change in tax laws. We're looking. We have clients you know, looking more in 18 than than normal. So. Have we uh, gotten any of the big specific strategies? Um, we were really expecting to, to hear more uh, as people put their their brilliant minds to uh, work on 
how to plan for taxes uh, with the new tax laws. Have we heard anything real groundbreaking yet? Not yet. There hasn't been uh, any additional um, guidance yet on some of the, the, the bigger topics. So there has issued some some issues, some additional guidance on some issues, but not uh, particular on the ones that we're looking for for our clients on the flow through 20% deduction. Um, you know, you, you see a lot more activity on the state side, which is what we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more today. Sure. Uh, so uh, that again, that's uh, with the limited and tax deduction for state taxes and, and yeah. from the federal standpoint, the states are starting to come up with other ideas for, for taxpayers. So. Sure. All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little about the S&P 500. Uh, this is a, a show about your whole financial situation. Uh, we'll talk a lot today about taxes, but uh, the market this week was up, uh, what was it, Casey? Year to date, we're at 1.72%. Technology still just beating the socks off everybody else. Yeah. Uh, up almost 10%, 9.6%. Consumer staples still in the basement there. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, just dragging Leading back. the way on the downside. Yeah, they were positive this week. They were up uh, 0.23% while the rest of the market was down just a slight amount, uh, 0.12%. But uh, uh, you're absolutely right. Consumer staples, how in the world does this happen? We've uh, put our minds to this and and, uh, talked a little about it as we've gone through the last few weeks, maybe even months, uh, down 13.3%. Telecom down 2.92%. Um, but some of the names in Staples still just blow me away so that, that have gotten beaten up so badly. Um, you know, Procter & Gamble. Yeah. Um, some of the tobacco stocks have been just kicked around. Unbelievable the, the way that they've been treated, especially when you consider this sector is such a cash cow-related group. You know, they, they're always uh, – if you want cash flow, that's uh, that's almost one of the best sure bets, right? Well, and has it been a, has it been earning surprise that's done it, or is it more just a function of those are sort of bond proxy companies that were in a rising interest rate environment now potentially, and that's kind of what the market is is uh, taking the hammer to the to the utility type or uh, uh, dividend paying companies? Yeah, well, I, I'm glad you asked. Uh, when I look at consumer staples, there's been very little, if any, uh, earning surprise in the first quarter, we got 1.71% sales surprise, 5.72%. Both of these positive, mind you, uh, earnings surprise. So it should actually have been right in there relatively close to the market. The overall S&P 500 earnings surprise, 7.13%. That's usually uh, the source of, uh, of significant increases in, in the price. Right. Um, but you know, it really doesn't make much sense. Earnings are growing and the price is going the other way. It's got to be the bond proxy that you yeah. just talked about. And uh, when we look at earnings growth, 23.37% in the first quarter for the S&P 500 after 460 of the 500 companies have uh, reported. Huge earnings growth in energy, 93.33%. I think it's just easy comps there. I mean, Yeah, in energy for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's been beaten up so bad over the past few years and we've sure. gotten some some – Oil prices starting to tick back up. I guess it crossed over eighty dollars a barrel here this week. Seventy, don't you say? Was it seventy? I thought yeah, it hit eighty maybe. at one point, and yeah, it's not know. there now, but it's pretty close. I thought. Yeah, it's. Well, I know we've been flirting with seventy for a long time, and and uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe I don't watch it as closely as I should. Uh, but yeah, earn, uh, oil has been improving in price, um, which you know is usually a negative for for the consumer, uh, which most of us are on that side. But if you're a an investor in uh, in oil or 
energy companies, uh, obviously, uh, and and even industrials. I don't know if you watched in 2014 when the, the price of oil started plummeting. Uh, industrial companies really suffered a lot, and part of the reason is um, when those energy companies go out to spend on capital expenditures, uh, it didn't happen for a while. Right. They uh, they the well dried up, so uh, some of the the earnings that they expected from operations actually didn't come through, and and uh, industrials suffered right along with energy companies. Uh, earnings growth 23.37, as I said, 93.3 in energy. Uh, you look across the board. This is one of the reasons that technology has done so well. 28.88% in uh, earnings growth in the first quarter, but not too far behind financials at 27.8. Uh, you know, here, here we go. That's, and that's uh, again got to be somewhat a function of the the interest rate environment. Absolutely. Now, what we did see this week, and I talk about it quite a bit, is a little bit of change in the shape of the yield curve. Um, and by that I mean the 10-year. Uh, was up more than the two-year. Yep. Uh, I think we had uh, 10-year treasuries at 307 when I last looked, and uh, that's about 51 basis points or 0.51% higher than the two-year. Uh, lately, it's been around the low 40, so we did have a little bit of a steepening of the yield curve, especially over the last month. It's been pretty significant. And that should be good news for the people who are watching for an inversion of the yield curve to uh, signal a recession, right? Right, yeah. The inversion is a negative sign, a uh, sign of recession. Uh, but, again, as you said, uh, don't have much of that going on. And what a lot of folks are saying, too, and, and we've talked about this before, is uh, that rise in interest rates around the 10-year and beyond uh, is kind of a confirmation uh, when you talk to economists. It's a confirmation of economic growth. So uh, good news all the way around. Yeah. So is that no surprise to the impact on the real estate? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, anything that's going to be um, impacted by by interest rates, obviously, as interest rates rise, uh, anything that's highly leveraged is uh, probably going to slow down. Uh, real estate, one of those, plus real estate investors, uh, see that as kind of a bond proxy, as Casey was talking about with consumer staples. So you'd expect utility companies, consumer staples, telecoms, um, you know, maybe even healthcare to some degree uh, to uh, to get weak when interest rates get higher. And you know, I've explained this before, uh, John. This is more of a of an accounting concept. When you look at cash flows, future cash flows, when you bring them back to present value, you do it by Doing what? You divide those numbers by the interest right. rate. So uh, the higher it gets, the lower your conceptual theoretical value of equities, of stocks, actually gets. So, uh, you know, it all kind of works together. It's not exactly perfect in uh, as it is in theory, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's what we see there. Uh, got a few economic releases this week. Probably the biggest one is University of uh, Michigan Consumer Sentiment. Uh, we saw a dip in current conditions, which uh, offset uh, the gain in expectations. I'm not going to get into the other details, and uh, we probably ought to take a break right now. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a dog of the week, and then we'll talk to you about some financial questions. Take care of listening to Money Talk. We'll be right back. For the 
Dog of the Week. All right, guys, I got a, a Dog of the Week this week. It's really not a Dog of the Week. It's really more of a, a um, um, it's a Hog of the Week. Oh, man. How about that? Uh, it's uh, it's not often that you run into something like this, but uh, China has got an issue. they got a lot of folks, and uh, the population's growing, so they got folks to feed. Uh, they are beginning to make multi-story hog hotels that will uh, elevate the industry farms to new levels, says the story. This is uh, out of uh, Reuters. Um, Yaji Mountain, China. They've got uh, multi-story. They're right now around three to four, but they've got some planned uh, building for 13-story hog farms, basically. And you know what's strange about this to me is usually it's a it's an economic situation, right? The reason that we have high-rise hotels, high-rise apartments in town is because one thing, and it's cost of land, right? Yeah, right. Everybody wants to live close and convenient to a certain location, and it makes the the value of the property become More dear. Valuable. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And and when that happens, you build up. Well, in this case, uh, it seems like you know the the bigger problem that they're having is making sure that there's adequate transportation to get it to the places right. where they're you know the cities where folks are are wanting to eat that hog. Uh, but in this case, it's these guys are building these places straight up you can still buy property uh actually for a single level when you figure all the costs uh uh, associated you can do it cheaper if you just make a single story uh hog farm basically a barn um but that smells awesome yeah, well, great neighbor. If you've yeah. watched, if you've watched for the last over the last two or three years, there's actually been some pretty serious outbreaks uh, of disease within uh, within China. Shocker. Within the pigs, I mean, the pigs will get they'll they'll wind up with a disease and you can't get it out of them. They wind up having to having to euthanize lots and lots of hogs. Well, if it does that, the fear is that it's actually going to get some way in the building, then you yeah. can't get it out either. you got either, a whole so. building full of hogs that you got to uh, yeah, put well, down. Well, and not only John that. John would be how crying you, about that. How you, you did got, this well, for Tim, didn't you? This, I, this is about John and is. his affinity for bacon. Uh, John uh, has has definitely a reputation. We we go to our manager's meetings, and uh, if there is breakfast there, John will walk away with a plate of bacon that no human should eat within a week. <laughs> And no normal human. I but, do my uh, part to help out. Yeah, to help out the high-rise hog the hotels. High-rise hog in, business, in, that's in, right. In China. It's hog anyway, heaven. the the thing that I guess it's it's weird to me that they're having this debate, um, kind of a economics technology kind of debate as to you know whether or not it's it's the more efficient and cheaper way. But uh, uh, when you read the article, it talks a lot about you know, a new model for farming in China. They're trying to, to make it so that it's uh, industrialized farming. It's, yeah. you know, these are these are becoming high-tech farmers. So Because um, anyway, back to the saying, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Hogs get slaughtered. Pigs get fat, and then they go see John, and he makes bacon <laughs> out of them. That's pretty much what happens, actually. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought it was really interesting to see that uh, they really don't solve the transportation problem with this, this uh, high-rise hog farm. They also don't solve anything about cheap land. It's just kind of an experiment. 
They're trying to see if they can make the, the best industrialized hog farm, but they're doing it in a place that's still very remote, uh, still requires transportation to town, and, uh, you know, it can still be done cheaper just by a single-level farm. It's a good thing farm. it's very remote because I'm sure I saw a hog hotel going up next to my, you know, condo right. building in the desirable part of town. Yeah. I'd well, probably be putting up the for sale sign pretty quick. Casey, that's uh, that's actually an excellent point. I think everybody would rather spend a little more on transportation than they would to have <laughs> a hog, hog farm, farm next to them. That's right. Yeah, I even John would probably lose his affinity for bacon if he had to live next to it. <laughs> yes. But anyway, all right, guys. Uh, this week um, we do have a situation that we'd like to talk about, and uh, a lot of it is uh, about our local tax situation. Uh, John, you've been doing some some talking about this. There's a, a couple of things we'd like to talk about. Uh, first of all, maybe Georgia rural hospital credits. But before we get to that, how about some film credits? I know that we have got a a um, budding film industry in the state and uh, there are ways that people can buy these credits and I, I mean what exactly happens when folks buy film credits and how exactly does that make your tax situation better well everybody uh stay calm because we're getting ready to talk some about some exciting yeah. tax concepts here, well stay go calm. ahead and pull over <laughs> that's right if you're driving we yeah. don't want anybody to Fall asleep uh, the wheel at the very least, turn up the air conditioning <laughs> so that you're not comfortable enough to fall asleep. Turn the radio yeah. up real loud so it sounds like John's yelling tax advice in your ear. Yeah, well, I really think these tax credits will be a little bit more popular this year with the new new tax laws and regulations that's going to limit the tax deduction uh, to, to $10,000 uh, for for taxpayers and from a federal standpoint. Uh, Georgia Film Credit's been around a while. It's an incentive to, to try to get film companies into Georgia. Ultimately, you're going out and buying tax credits at a percentage of, of face value. Now, when you say tax credits, this is basically losses that these companies have incurred? Is that No, it's actually it tax credits. It's a dollar-for-dollar dollar, uh, reduction of, of it's for your taxes. So ultimately, to incentivize these companies into Georgia, they, they can earn these tax credits based on the amount of money they ex, they spend in the state on and their expenses. And then they'll pay a lower then, amount of tax. So they'll actually, they won't use them because film companies lose money. So they okay. actually sell the credits. So that's how these these film companies will actually get money from selling their credits on the market. And then the, there's companies out there that will then sell these credits to the taxpayers. You and okay. me can go out there and buy film credits. You know, anywhere from 88 to 92 cents on the dollar is usually what you kind of the range you see. I mean, it fluctuates based on supply and demand. But um, you, know, you can go out there and buy these credits for a percentage of the dollar, and, and they offset your taxes. So. So, so, John, you go spend $100 on a tax credit and you pay $9.20 for it, or, sorry, $92 for a $100 credit, correct. and it's dollar for dollar against your taxes. So you just saved 8 bucks. Correct. Well, well 8%, it, we'll call it. Not exactly, but, plus, <laughs> well, the problem is, from a federal standpoint, you then have a capital gain of $8. Ah, okay. So, for, for federal purposes, when you actually utilize that credit, you paid... Uh, $92 for you got a $100 benefit. So mm -hmm. you got an $8 capital, short-term capital gain. Okay. So you pay federal taxes on the $8 short-term capital gain, but then you get the $100 tax credit. So it's not necessarily so it's not exactly a, dollar for dollar in right. that sense. Cause so 
for the Georgia film credit, you usually have, a, have to have a pretty significant uh, tax liability in order to, to benefit. You know, normally we say fifty thousand uh, in tax liability to benefit from the Georgia film credit. Um, but something that will probably be utilized uh, more coming up this year is the Georgia Rural Hospital Credit. Um, this is a, a, it's been around uh, for the past year or two, but the benefit's been seventy percent of of incentive so that if you make a $10,000 contribution the credit's been $7,000 in the past well now the this past year it's been increased to 90% and then the governor just signed a house bill 769 on May 2nd 2018 that increased it to 100% oh wow so now you can make a $10,000 contribution you get a charitable contribution of $10,000 and then you also get a $10,000 credit for Georgia. So you're ultimately transitioning a state credit, what would have been a state tax deduction, to a charitable contribution for federal purposes, and then you get a credit on your state taxes for 10000 It's kind of similar to the gold scholarship here in, in Georgia that they've had in the past where you get a federal charitable contribution to a private school and mm-hmm. then you get a tax deduction. Same concept, it's just now you're funding help funding rural hospitals. And that's going to be even more important this year with the being limited to the $10,000 state and local tax deduction, right? So Exactly. And and there is a cap to it too. So just like the the gold scholarship, there's a cap uh there, there's a cap as well for once that once the amount of funds have been extinguished out to the taxpayers, then they will no longer offer that credit for the current year. Uh, so you do have to go up and sign up for the credit. You, there's, you got, the state gives you about a 30-day window to approve it. Then you get notified that you're approved, and then you make the contribution, and then you can take the deduction. Uh, so you would want to go to georgiaheart.org is the website. Again, that's georgiaheart.org to, to do the application to sign up for that credit. And you said there's a little bit of a time lag, so don't try to do this like the very end of the year. No, it could be that it, it, the funds are already used up by then. So if if you know if all if there's enough taxpayers to use up, I believe it's a hundred million. So if if there's enough taxpayers come in and, and get that hundred million get allocated out, then come October there might not be any funds left over for for taxpayer to come in and, and make the contribution. So another it. one of those places where you're going to be. Encouraging folks to go ahead and do a little bit of tax planning now while you can, while your opportunity is still there. Yeah, because this is ultimately a, you get a profit on your, your tax liability. You make a contribution, and, and your return in federal and state taxes actually generates a profit. All right, good deal. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about some financial questions that you might have had. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm, I'm looking for a come up. This is getting awesome. When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. 
When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with John Dixon and Casey Smith talking about all kind of fun things, taxes uh, most recently. Uh, John informs me that he can talk about taxes all day, and um, that being the case, I could probably sleep all day, but um, uh, he get me to sleep, but I probably wouldn't even know that you were still talking about them. I mean, do whatever you want, right? That's right. You yeah. get your knowledge through osmosis at that point, though. That's how that works. I, I would much rather do that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a much better option. You can reach yeah. that deep REM sleep a lot faster. Is that, is that <laughs> how it works? Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, there you have it, uh, rural uh, hospital tax credits and Georgia film credits. And, uh, um, John, wasn't there a situation where, you know, we were we were talking during the break that uh, the – Rural hospital used to be something more popular for those that had to pay AMT, but now that it's risen to such a high level, what is it's not so common anymore. It's really uh, more right. for, the, for the common individual just trying to find a way to right under the tax bill. Yeah, under the previous law, state tax deduction might have been limited because of AMT, uh, so so people could use this credit and actually you know have more of a benefit. But now with um, you know, AMT threshold being a million dollars before the phase out of the exemption, you know, it's not AMT is probably not going to be a, as much an issue for as many taxpayers. So now, with the hundred percent threshold on the credit, even if you don't itemize, you would still get a dollar for dollar benefit for this credit. And then ultimately, if if you're itemizing and getting the benefit from the charitable donation, uh, then you're actually generating a profit from it. So. So, John, does the credit actually reduce your uh, – I mean, I know it reduces your Georgia tax liability, but it does it reduce the amount that gets reported and then is subject to that $10,000 threshold on the state Right, local? exactly. So you're, you're shifting what was – you know, if you're having withholdings, your Georgia withholdings, that's a tax payment and it's, it's a state tax deduction. Uh, so what you would want to do is you want to reduce your withholdings – and now you have this credit that's going to be a charitable donation. So you're shifting what would have been a state tax deduction, which is now limited to 10000 mm-hmm. down to a charitable donation. Gotcha. So. Yeah. All right. So that helps in multiple ways. Uh, before we get into the financial questions that we've got from listeners, I'd like to give them a way that they can contact us. Uh, you can call our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. Uh, when that answers, you would leave a message. We'll play it back on the air and uh, answer your question right behind it. Uh, If you'd like to talk to an actual person, you can call 770-429-9166 and uh, ask your question there. Uh, Otherwise, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And uh, while we're at it, hensler.com is uh, our website. You can uh, go there and answer uh, some of the questions you might have on your own, if they're generic enough, uh, maybe even some tax information on there, John. Um, so uh, that's how you can contact us. But uh, before we get um, your 
question. Why don't we ask answer some of these we've got uh, in recent days. Rosalind from Mableton says, uh, should I put my house, uh, my parents' house rather, in my name? Uh, they would continue to pay the mortgage. So what do you think, Casey? It sounds like something in your wheelhouse. Was it yeah. a beach house? It just says parents' <laughs> house. So yeah, <laughs> John's John's all over this one on the tax side. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it's just their primary residence, uh, you know, obviously there's pros and cons like anything else. The the answer, I'm going to sound like an accountant now oh, myself. No. Oh, no. It depends. <laughs> All right. But, uh, I mean, basically the the biggest reasons that you might want to look at something like this would be just, you know, it's, you're getting some cash. You're, if your parents are, are strapped for cash and they may need to, to put those the assets or the, the money that's tied up into their home equity to better use. Maybe they could buy some you know, dividend-paying stocks or do something with it that's going to make it a little more liquid, give them a little more flexibility, uh, maybe produce some income. Uh, then that might be a reason to look at it. Probably the biggest reason is from a state planning standpoint, you might be able to, to move it if they're above the extremely high exclusion amount now. Yeah, it did um, change significantly recently, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's like $11 million per person with portability. So, so it's double what it used to be, right? Exactly. So it, you would have to be in the a pretty high, uh, you know, one percenter kind of thing to, for this to matter. But you could put the house in the children's name to kind of get it out of your estate today, gift it, use up some of your exclusion, and then the future appreciation is out of your estate. So that's probably the, the biggest pro for doing this. But there's a lot more cons, in my opinion, to, to doing something like this. Mainly, first of all, you know, and no offense, Rosalind, and I'm sure you would not fall into this category, but some people may not feel comfortable gifting their house or, or putting their house in their children's name for a number of reasons. I mean, there could be a divorce situation. If they're married, then maybe the spouse gets the house and kicks the parents out. <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh, there could be a, a creditor situation if the child declares bankruptcy or gets in a car accident and is, li is liable. Now, if if you're the parent still living in the home, then you could potentially be evicted by something that the, the child has done. So there's some risks there. A lot of people think that you need to take put the house into, uh, into the children's name for Medicaid purposes. So if you're going to go into a long-term care facility, a nursing home or something like that, where Medicaid would cover um, the expense for that, um, they're thinking that the home would be considered an asset and therefore the, you wouldn't qualify for Medicaid. That's not actually true. The home primary home is, is an exempt asset for Medicaid benefits. So it wouldn't be looked at. And in fact, if you do, you know, transfer the, the home, uh, within a five year period, and then you have a need for Medicaid long-term care benefits, then there's a, then it would be considered as an asset because of the look back and it would be a non-exempt asset at that point. So the look back, yeah, that is no. that they no. go yeah. back and review your transactions from the recent. Yeah. Previous months, five years. years. There you go. So, um, there's, there's some more cons to pros in my opinion in, in doing something like this, but obviously, I mean, depending on your specific situation, it may, uh, it may be worth taking a look at. So, um, contact your financial advisor. Give us a call, 770-429-9166. There you go. And a uh, good, good idea to ask before you dive into something like this. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's go to Walt from Marietta. Says, I'm looking at T-Mobile and AES Corporation. Both are recommended by my broker, but I'm concerned about AES's negative earnings per share. Uh, where do you stand on these two? Uh, honestly, T-Mobile, 
Uh, and, and neither of these, I don't think, uh, meet our criteria for investment based on financial strength and safety. But uh, we'll say T-Mobile's uh, right now in the middle of uh, a potential transaction where they'll buy Sprint for $58 billion. Uh, the company's past five years' growth is 18.4%. Uh, uh, expected only grow at about 4.5%. That's the biggest thing here. Uh, neither one of these companies are very exciting. Uh, you know, you got a stodgy uh, phone company and a uh, uh, basically a, a utility in AES. Uh, the thing that's strange about T-Mobile and what's going on there is uh, they, when they announced that they were going to plan to, they had a plan to buy Sprint. Um, they did so at a premium of 11.62 percent. So they were going to pay you an extra 11.6% above and beyond what the market price for Sprint was at the time. Uh, strangely enough, this hardly ever happens. Uh, right now, that premium is about 12.5%. So it's gone up. Wow. Uh, it would tell me that uh, the market is signaling that the deal's not likely to be approved by regulators or, you know, it's not a good deal for, for uh, Sprint holders or you know, a, a good deal for T-Mobile holders. It's it, Something is strange here. This just doesn't happen too often. Uh, either way, the company's pretty expensive relative to its uh, history um, and especially relative to uh, expected growth. Uh, usually I like to see a PEG ratio, which is the forward PE divided by the growth uh, expectations. Uh, basically, you take... Uh, today's price divided by the expected earnings over the next 12 months, not the last 12 months, but those uh, in the future, in the next 12 months, uh, and you divide that by the, the growth rate expected. Uh, normally, I like to see those prices around one if I'm going to recommend buying them. This one is at 406. Wow. I mean, just ridiculous. That's, that's you're, expensive. You're paying a lot of money for a company with very little growth. So, uh, and then AES, like I said, it's a uh, you know it's a utility. Um, it pays out more than it makes, 172.8 percent uh, in uh, in earnings payout for the dividend that it pays. Uh, dividends 4.3 percent, which is a bit higher than the market, which tells me that uh, it could be in peril of being cut. Uh, all things considered, I don't like either one of these. So you'd suggest Bitcoin? No, I'm not <laughs> going to suggest Bitcoin. Come on, man. But I will suggest that we need to take a quick break right here. And uh, when we come back, let's talk a little more about that Bitcoin, John, now that you brought it up. Uh, Ethereum's to, fine, though. Yeah, you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with John Dixon and Casey Smith uh, talking about all kind of things, financial, um, taxes, investments, uh, I mean, whatever you want to talk about, as long as it's in that realm, right? Pig farms. Pig farming, yeah, we did. Well, but that was economics, right? Bacon. Didn't, didn't yeah, I try to yeah, tie bacon, bacon. Yeah. bacon. Bacon. Yeah. Bacon, bacon futures. Pork bellies. I don't think we talked about any of that. About the craziest thing that's been said on the air 
was right at the end of the last segment when John brought up, so do I invest it in Bitcoin? I think I even heard KC say something about Ethereum. Yeah. So Ethereum was okay, right? No. That's a recommended position? No. No? None of these are recommended. They're all speculations. And uh, by that, I mean you're not ever going to see Cash flows from that. It's just uh, the what I call the the bigger fool theory. You find somebody else that wants them, or I mean, the, if you listen to anybody in information technology, they tell you that uh, this is a very disruptive technology. Uh, to be honest with you, I think, best I understand it, we can transfer dollars electronically pretty much anywhere, right? The difference that I've seen with Bitcoin, and this is one of the ones that they talk a lot about, is you can transfer Bitcoin you um, anonymously. I almost said unanimously. That'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Anonymously, so nobody knows who's uh, who's on the other side of the transaction. But uh, reality is, I think the regulators are going to squeeze that piece out. So, and and the fact that to me, Bitcoin. Uh, has some serious inefficiencies in in their uh, ability to allow trading at a at a fast clip. Um, I believe Bitcoin. Going back to that technology not. point, though, I mean, isn't really the the fundamental potential uh, value derived mostly from the blockchain and the distributed ledger yes. technology? The Absolutely. ability to kind of and you know you could essentially avoid you know, clearing transactions, right? There's no need sure. for everything's automatically reconciled in that s- format system. So there's yeah. no need for an, an intermediary to do the reconciliation and all. Sure. Um, if everybody, so that, but, that but I'll ask, the, I'll ask again though. I mean, how can't dollars be transacted in a similar manner? If they can be done electronically, it's, it's really as much a trading platform, is it not? They can, but there's, in this case, there'd be no need, you know, if I want to send you, if I want to tr- give you shares of Apple, I've got to go through an exchange, I've got to have that through sure. a clearinghouse, and then it gets from my account to your account, whereas Bitcoin, I could just give it to you directly, and because yeah, of the distributed ledger, right. everybody everybody's reconciled automatically, so there's no need for There's still going to be a good or a service behind the behind the scenes, right? And that's all we're talking about in this case. If Apple is the the transaction, if if I'm just trying to swap an asset with you mm-hmm. and there's there's a monetary payoff in the middle of it, then, I mean, well, I mean I, again, I, 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 maybe about, I'm just daft, but well, I don't I'm, understand how and I'm not, a, I don't I'm not that familiar with it either, but so I'm probably talking above my head, but... The way I understand it, you know, currently, if I want to sell Apple to you, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to do that through an exchange, and there's a clearing period. This takes two days sure. for to settle, and that just recently changed. It used to be three days for, for settlement. So this would be instantaneous settlement. You know, I could just exchange it to you for cash or for cryptocurrency or whatever I'm sure. exchanging it to you for, and then we would each be whole, and everybody involved in the transaction would automatically know that I no longer have 10 shares of Apple. I now have X number of Bitcoin or whatever. Sure. But I don't know. I think that's really where the disruptor is, not necessarily the currency itself, but it's more that just distributed ledger. The efficient yeah, transaction. Yeah, just makes it more efficient. I mean, you essentially eliminate a bunch of middlemen. Well, I've talked to a lot of people about, uh, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure which one might uh, might ultimately be the big winner here, uh, the one that uh, becomes that global currency that you don't need to uh, to worry about translating your dollars into yen or euros or whatever it might be. 
what I will say is it's a speculation at this point. Yeah, it's, no question. It's, uh, it's very difficult to uh, do just the translation from dollars to Bitcoin because they have the, the price differential has been so volatile yeah. lately. Uh, and and I think, you know, if you're going to insist on owning some, I'd make it very small. Uh, know that you're speculating and uh, probably even diversify. So don't just buy one, buy multiples if that's the game you really want to play. And I do call it a game. It's not an investment at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's purely I, speculation. I right did now. notice that one of the big four firms is now accepting Bitcoin as payment. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, there are companies that are actually. That's true. It. Yeah. And I think what it would do in a, in a case like that, you know, there's other companies that, you know, some companies will accept rent payments in, uh, in crypto. Uh, there's pizza places. There have been pizza places from the very start of, uh, of this whole craze that would be accepting of that. And why not? I mean, it seems like college kids seem to be the most excited about uh, this, this new way of transacting business. But, um, you know, it, it somebody's going to have to do their taxes. Yeah. And if their whole business is built around a Bitcoin, then it sounds to me like one of the big four ought to be able to accept uh, that currency. Otherwise, how are you going to transact with them to do their taxes? Well, I think the problem that they're going to run into with the currency is just the, the whole purpose is to kind of, as you said, Troy, transact in anonymously and there's no way that you're not going to that the regulation is not going to come into play at some level and that's really defeats the whole purpose of it so if you have regulation there's no sense in transacting in cryptocurrency but i don't think they're going to be able to be a, a feasible nobody's going to accept payment without some version of regulation sure uh or i don't know i just think that that's the hurdle that they've got to clear to be able to to really have some real value into the cryptocurrencies themselves, but we'll see. I, I agree with you. It's pu purely speculation at this point, and it'll be interesting right. to see how it plays out. But yeah, when uh, when you can pay your taxes, when you can pay the IRS in a cryptocurrency, then I'll I'll be more accepting of the fact that it's actually a currency. Uh, just because you can pay your your tax preparer or your accountant or your auditor or whomever it might be uh, with a cryptocurrency, they or your still. Bookie. <laughs> Whomever, <laughs> I'm not here to judge, uh, but uh, the, I, I will tell you that until you can pay the regulator, uh, you know, I still think it's a speculation. Uh, let's get to one more question. There's one that uh, we can probably all come uh, at from maybe a different angle. Gary from Peachtree City says, should I be considering municipal bonds over U.S. Treasury bonds? Gary, you should always consider uh, various options. Now, I will tell you there's uh, there's several things that, that I would think about just from the investment side. Uh, municipal bonds are probably going to give you a different yield. Mm -hmm. um, the yeah. reason being, they're they're uh, uh, they you you get uh, your interest from them tax free, uh, and with treasury bonds you get a portion of it right in the state tax not counted uh, on on the interest right. for a treasury bond however federal tax it is going to be a federal taxed uh, uh, investment and uh, what you would probably see is your municipal bond yields lower uh, just in a in an absolute value um, than the treasury bond but there is a little more risk with a treasury uh, with a municipal bond than there is with a treasury. Uh, and then, you know, I, I don't know why you would stop there. Why not talk about corporates or 
CDs. Right yeah. now, the best yields, the best absolute yields that I see in the market are, are generally uh, uh, bank certificates of deposit. We look a lot at uh, those that are tradable, um, but, you know, I'll leave You're the rest of this to you guys. You're talking sort of a, a risk-adjusted return basis, right? Sure, or, yeah. I mean, Tax you could equivalent. get some higher yields in corporates, but they may not be high quality. And, exactly. Uh, the yeah, the yeah. chance that you're going to get your money back is a lot lower than an FDIC-insured CD. Sure, yeah. If, um, uh, if, a, if the issuer can't service the debt, then it makes it uh, very difficult to call that uh, much more than a speculation, too. And the, the asset location matters, too. I mean, if you're talking about an IRA account where the tax ramifications don't matter on the investment, so if you're earning a lower yield and you're not going to get the tax benefit, then why yeah, it's buy pointless. an IRA account? Pointless, absolutely. Right, yeah. I'd say that's one of the things we see with new clients, maybe the the, the tax inefficiencies of their portfolios and their holdings. You know, they'll have the municipal bonds and, you know, the fixed income in their tax-deferred accounts and, yeah. instead of their taxable accounts. But the other thing is I, I just mentioned that, uh, you know, it's not just any municipal bond, but they, they need to make sure it's a state – the state exemption, the bond in their state. Right. Yeah, the state within which you live. All right. uh, End of the show. I say the market's up this week. Guys, quick. Market's up. Up. All right. All up. Uh, You're listening to Money Talk. We'll catch you next week. Take care. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments, It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.